Matthew chapter 3, beginning to read at verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. I take note of this. In the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah that is, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. Now notice the geographical location there. Jerusalem and all Judea and the region round about Jordan. And were baptized of him in Jordan confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees, Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into his garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee. Notice again the geographical location. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the waters, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now mark that chapter, because we're going to go back there and go to John's Gospel. John's Gospel, chapter 19. Starting to read. Verse 19, just a verse here or two. John 19, verse 19. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read, Many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh unto the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. So let's just just mark those two wee places there, especially uh, Matthew's gospel. Let's just pray again. Father, take your own word and inscribe it in our hearts. And help me to rightly divide it, to feed your people, your sheep, for your honor and for your glory. I ask it 
Amen. Now in John 19, <coughs> in John 19, um, we read of Pilate writing Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Now the Jews says, he's not the king of the Jews, but he said I am the king of the Jews. Now, they were right and they were wrong. They were right because he, he was not the king of the Jews as they thought. But I'm going to show you what it means and what it doesn't mean. He didn't say he was the king of the Jews either. You can't find it anywhere. So they accused him wrongly as well. But what we want to look at here, in the, uh, and we're going to speak on Jesus the Galilean and John the Judean. Jesus the Galilean and John the Judean. So look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3. Verse 1 says, And it came, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now note the geographical location. He's in Judea. So before we go any further, if you can imagine, and if you can picture the, the land of Canaan, and the region of Judea would have been the southern part of the land, then Samaria, as you went up towards where Lebanon sort of area would be today, further north up towards Syria, on the west coast would have been the Samaritans were, would have been where they were, the lands of the Samaritans. And then just slightly over on the top of uh, where the Genesaret or the Sea of Galilee is, is the Galilee region. So just try and keep that, if you can, in your mind. So Judea was the southern half, or southern most part, and Galilee was right at the very northern part. So in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, in the southern part of that. So first of all, we have to look at in those days, what days? Because it's very important. Everything that's happened was under the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign, and even where Christ was born, everything was sovereign under his will. Even when he was taken into Egypt, even when he's brought out again, even when he's taken into Nazareth, everything was off the sovereignty of God. Look, in those days, what days? They were dangerous days for starters. Notice chapter 2 and verse 22. We're told of Joseph, but when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea. Notice the area, Judea again. In the room of his father Herod. He was afraid to go thither. This is Joseph with the child. He was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. So now Joseph heads north. Mary and Joseph with the child goes north. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Now you can see this, uh, the sovereignty of God still working here. You see the sovereignty of God now where Joseph, the man, was going to go back to Judea. The Lord had it even in history that this man, Archelaus, we'll look at him just briefly in a moment, but because of him, God warns him and he goes north. Was up? God didn't know or, and he just happened to warn Joseph and that was all in his plan because he was going to be called a Nazarene. He was already prophesied this away in the in the Old Testament, as we call it. Okay, so everything that God has done here has been for a plan and a purpose. This shows you in our lives. 
Sometimes we're going to go in to the middle of Judea and we're going to be in that place of Judea, whatever your Judea is, and there's an Archelaus there willing and he would be so wicked and cruel to slay you. But the Lord in his, well, we wonder why the Lord sends us up north then. The Lord says, no, I want you to go this way. And we find that we go a different direction. Let's just yield ourselves to God's plan in our lives. And yield yourself to his sovereignty because he's a better role for you. His will is better than ours. Now, it says Archelaus reigned in Judea in the room of his father, Herod. And this man, Archelaus, was a cruel man. He was as cruel as, fa- as his father, Herod, who was Herod the Great, um, who was Herod the Great, known as the baby killer, who sent out to kill all the children to and under. But with, uh, he hadn't his father's greatness, if you want to put it, his infamousness as his greatness. He didn't, wasn't as popular as his father. Uh, Josephus, a Jewish historian, he said that he was a man, a man of kindred nature, suspicious, truculent, and to be feared and avoided. So that's why when you see them, they're going to bring Jesus, the baby, into his region. Being warned of God in a dream, he says, go north. The Lord tells him where to go. This man, Archelaus, was, he was incompetent, I said. He, was just, he wasn't any good as a person, and he was incompetent even as a ruler in Judea. And we're told that he was so incompetent and he became so violent. See, you find people, when they can't win in one way, they'll use other methods. And so what he does is there's people that come to you, and if they can't manipulate you one way, they'll use aggressive methods, even passive aggressiveness. They'll use these things to try and cause you to fear that you will bow to their, or yield to their will. And this is what he did. He became so violent, so violent that even the Jews of Judea at this time, they actually sent to Rome, and they actually asked for help from the Romans, and they sent an emperor, or pardon me, the emperor sent a governor in, in AD 6, who we know then was Pontius Pilate. He came in and started ruling over the area. Okay, so remember, Pilate is there now. He's fulfilling a will, even though in his wickedness and even in his, uh, his unknowing, but he's going to fulfill a will in God's plan too. And what is that? He's going to try Jesus and find him not guilty, but yet send him to the cross to be crucified. See how God has everything worked out ahead of us? Sometimes we wonder and things are happening and you know, things that are not nice happening, things that are we deem bad are happening. But God is always working ahead of us. God is always working. He's, he's already working on things in your life. He's already working on plans for your life. But he's already working on other people's to cross your path. Everything's already in place as far as God's concerned. You know, God is eternal. He's not limited to time. We're just catching up. He's already in your tomorrow. He's already in your next week. He's just waiting in you and I, passing time, that we're under the sun, as it were, passing time, that we're going to move into that which he will ordain, or has ordained. So his brother was Herod Antipas, and he was said to be a man of a a lesser temper than Archelaus. And he was greater in calmness, they say. This is the the historians we tell you. So, So Joseph, under God's direction, takes the young Jesus to Galilee, which was then his own province, okay? Now, notice two provinces here, Judea and Galilee in the north. Judea in the south and Galilee in the north. When we read through the Gospels, you'll read things like the first miracle that Jesus did was at Cana 
of Galilee at the wedding. Remember, turning the water into wine. And many people tend to think that Jesus' ministry was around Jerusalem and Judea. Not so. The vast bulk of Jesus' ministry was in the north in Galilee. It just seems to think because we hear of Jerusalem and all the things that happened in Jerusalem and the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, the ascension, that it has to be that he must have been ministering around Jerusalem all that time. The answer is no. The vast bulk of his ministry was in Galilee. Now notice this. Also you'll hear of Jesus' headquarters. If you want, his ministerial headquarters were in Galilee. They were in Capernaum. It's in Capernaum where Peter's house was. Peter's mother-in-law, remember, was sick and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. It was in Capernaum. And then, of course, not only did it start in Galilee, but Jesus' last appearance uh, before his ascension in Jerusalem was at the Sea of Galilee. Remember, then he disappeared and then he went down to Jerusalem where the disciples then traveled down for his uh, ascension from the Mount of Olives. So look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, will you? Go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. So whenever we look at this, we see, let your eye just run down, just for time's sake. Jesus is, is baptized, and let your eye run down to verse 14. So he's tempted of the devil after he's baptized in the wilderness. So he's come down out of Galilee to Jordan, He's tempted, and he's, he, after being baptized, after 40 days and 40 nights, and Luke 4 and 14 says, this is the start of his, before he even does his first miracle. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Notice that. Wouldn't we think that he would go straight to Jerusalem? Lord, why do we not, whenever we know you're in our life, why does this not happen straight like this? Why does it just not happen so straight? The Lord always has this way of making us think we're going one way. You know, but he teaches us to walk. It's like when I was a... I can't really remember it, though, but whenever I was a, a, wee, a wee baby, I wouldn't walk. And my mom apparently said to my dad, she says, he was called Ken as well, she says, Ken, I, I'm worried about our Kenneth. I'm Kenneth. He was Ken. I'm worried about our Kenneth. He's just not walking. My dad says, hold on, do I try something? My dad used to raise pigeons. And he, he brought a pigeon in. And he holds the pigeon like this. He says, look at this, son. And I got up and just walked right across the living room to it. You see, and I get the pigeon, I get the wee stroke of the wee pigeon, feeling the wee feathers, you know. But the object wasn't for me to stroke the pigeon. It wasn't the object of it. The object was to teach me to walk. And sometimes we see things in front of us and we think our object is to grab that. And the Lord says, no, your object is to learn to walk with me. That's what it's for. And so sometimes we want it to be, nearly all the time I suppose, we want it to be so straight, so simple, so easy, but not, that's not the way it works. As I've said before as well, another illustration when I was in school, our Ma's teacher gave us the books home. And he says, here's all your questions. I want you to, all your sums you have to work out. And, and I want you to go and, and bring in the answers. And I brought all the answers in. 
But what I realized was all these hard maths things, there was all the answers were in the back of the book. So I just copied out all the answers, thinking Mr. Anderson, our maths teacher, must have knew this. Brought it in, give it in to Mr. Anderson. He calls me up and he says, Davidson, come here. And I come up and I'm standing in front of the class. He says, what's this? He says, that's the answer, Mr. Anderson. He says, do you not think I know that the answers are in the back of that book? I said, well, what are they there for? You told me to write the answers, and I wrote the answers. He says, listen, son. He says, it's not the answers, because that is the answer. We know the answer. He says, it's the working out of it. It's the working out of it. I wanted to see your working out of the answer. I was really disappointed, because I thought my homework was going to be easy for all my ma's homework for the rest of the year. And that's what it is. It's the working out of it. It's the working out of our life. It's the working out of our walk. It's the working out. And sometimes we think we're going to Judea. We end up in Galilee. And sometimes we get that place for God where it's the anointing of the Spirit. And we think it's straight to Jerusalem to become king. And the Lord says, no, back up to Galilee. Sometimes it's out of the waters and into the, the wilderness. But nevertheless, it's always in his plan and purpose. It's always what God has for us. So when we look at this here, we see that in John 14, or 4, pardon me, Luke 4 and verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the regions about. So now you see the difference now is here he's been declared the Son of God with power in the water. He's been tempted and tried as the son of man in the wilderness. And now he has been anointed with the spirit and driven into ministry. And the fame of him goes out. See how God works, how God builds it, how God prepares you, how God tests you. So then whenever we look at this, it says in Mark chapter 1 and verse 28 as well, immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. So there's a second mention, a double mention of it. So all about Galilee. So where is he now, the geographical location? He's in Galilee. Hasn't went anywhere near Jerusalem yet. Nowhere near it. Most, if, most maybe except, maybe at the most two that I can work out, but most except for maybe two, all of the disciples were from Galilee. Galileans. And what had happened was way earlier, way back before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, way back whenever uh, the southern kingdom of Judah and then you had the northern tribes of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah were carried into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. And now you read of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and so on. And Jeremiah is the prophet there at this time. So, uh, and then later Ezekiel. But when you look at this, you'll see that in, in this, when they, they're in, in Babylon, and when the Jews are there and they, you know, they can't play their harps because they're not so far away from the temple and so on. Well, when they come back, there's only Judah and Benjamin and some of Levi. Levi was the priestly tribe, the tribe that, well, really they would have been the deacons of the temple, if you want. And so they, they, they come back, some of them. And when they're coming back, we then read that Benjamin starts to get pushed up. Even historical records tell us Benjamin started to get pushed out by the, the bigger tribe of Judah. And they start moving further northward. For example, in Bethany. Bethany is a day's walk outside of Jerusalem. 
going up. I mean, in Bethany, there used to be a big poor house. We mentioned it, I think it was on Sunday night, I think it was. I, mentioned, I can't remember when I mentioned it. But Bethany was, Bethany was a big poor house. That's when Jesus was being anointed with the alabaster box, remember? And they started to complain this could have been sold for 300 pennies worth and given to the poor. Jesus says, the poor you have with you always. Well, it wasn't just the sake of actually there's always poor. What Jesus was saying there was, there was a big poor house, as they called it, in Bethany. Right where he was, saying there's the poor there. Judas, you want to go and minister to the poor? There they are. That's what he's saying. There they are. So he was speaking about this great big poor house in Bethany. And most of them, the reason Jesus stayed there, and we'll look at it as well, because most of them, um, they found a word, came from mainly from the tribe of Benjamin. And so because they came from the tribe of Benjamin, they were actually gathered around Christ more than those from his own tribe of Judah, or i.e. the Jews that were there at the time. And you'll read later on here, if we time willing, that, they, that they, Jesus didn't walk in jury because they sought, J-E-W-R-Y, because they sought to kill him. Where did he go? Up north. Why? Because it was less populated with jury and more with Benjamites and also other Gentiles around that area. So let's look at this for a minute. John chapter 12 and verse 21 tells us, if you want to turn to John chapter 12, John 12 and verse 21. Listen to what it says here. Let's go to 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida, of Galilee. Notice Bethsaida of Galilee. And desired him, saying, We would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Notice Philip of Bethsaida of Galilee. In John chapter 21, go to John 21. I'm just doing a good wee study tonight through the scriptures. John 21, and again let your eye run down. Two verse, I'll tell you what, it's John 21 actually. Let's just read verses 1 and 2. That'll do us this one. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Now we know that's Galilee. And on this way showed he himself. And there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cain of Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other of his disciples. So there's at least seven are there mentioned. And they're all Galileans. They're all Galileans. Now, uh, let your, let's go back to Matthew 4. Go back the ways to Matthew 4. And let your eye again run down to verse 23. Matthew 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. See how this is all northern, right up through Syria now. Went up through Syria and they brought unto him all, all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those that were lunatic, 
and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of the people of where? Galilee. Galilee. And from Decapolis, which means ten cities, that's around the northern region from across Galilee. And from Jerusalem, now we're reading on from Judea and beyond Jordan. Now they're starting to hear down south. And they're starting to gather, starting to come up onto him. Now when we get to Matthew chapter 5, look at this. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came onto him and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. Now notice where he is. This is the Sermon on the Mount, as it's called. A lot of people tend to think the Sermon on the Mount is just outside Jerusalem. It's in Galilee. That's where he is. He's in Galilee. He's starting to teach them kingdom principles in Galilee. So sometimes we get an idea in our heads of what organized even religion, or maybe we haven't even taught it, but something that we just thought, that Jesus must be just somewhere outside Jerusalem, but he's actually outside Galilee. Now again, there is another instance where he does teach something similar to this, but he's then closer to Jerusalem. At this point, here he's on the mountain, but then he's in like a plain or a field at this time, the next time. So he's in Galilee still. Okay, John chapter 7 then. John chapter 7. Verse 1 tells us, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. For he would not walk in where? Jury. Do you see that? Because the Jews sought to kill him. Jesus was in Galilee. People think he was walking around there all that time. He didn't. He did eventually go down there, obviously. But he didn't because it wasn't his time. Verse 2 says, Now the Jews' feast of the tabernacles was at hand. So now we're entering into a time when it's tabernacles, and without you read that chapter when you go home. And this is when, the, when they would have remembered their travels in the wilderness out of Egypt. And what they did was they built booths and they stayed in them. They came out of their houses and stayed in these booths, huts. But the thing was, they started, they ritualized. I noticed one of the old preachers, one of the old commentators says, he called the the Jews' feast of the tabernacles, where it should be Yahweh's feast of tabernacles. Because they started laying on their own laws and their own rituals. And what they did was they used to, at the very last day, they carried a big vases on on their shoulders. And the priest walked up, there was a solemn assembly, and they poured out the water where the blood had been shed, where the animals had been sacrificed, and the blood and the water came from the altar down and streamed down through the streets and down through the gutters. They had like a little track. And of course, there's a sign of the cross, blood and water flowing down from the veins of Emmanuel. Jesus wouldn't go. Why? Because they thought, he says he knew that they would kill him. It wasn't that he was afraid because he came to die. It wasn't his time. It wasn't his time. See, everything in God's plan is a time. And we look for the time. Lord, why is it not now? Why are we not hearing it now? Why is it not happening now? Why are you not answering now? The Lord just says, it's not my time yet. 
And when you're in this, in verse, uh, chapter 7, just let your eye just run down. We'll pick one or two out. It says in verse 8, he says to the disciples, Go ye up into this feast. I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet fully come. And when he had said these words unto them, he abode still where? In Galilee. Now, when you run on down to this, then Jesus, it's the last day, the great day of the feast, that's when they poured out that water, okay? If you let your eye run down to verse, um, let's see, just go down to, I can't even see here. Yes, let, let your eye run down to verse 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught, and the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Now I notice he's starting to encroach back down into their territory. Let your eye run down again. And he says, in verse 37, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth in me, as the scripture hath said of his belly, shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe in him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So what are they saying here? What is said here is Jesus went at that day of the feast, they're pouring out the water, it's a solemn assembly, and what they did was they then blew the trumpet or the shofar, and the, the whole of that place erupted with praise and exaltation. This was the last day of this, and they all went home. Jesus comes in that day, because they were going to kill him. So now he comes and he stands up and he cries, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. This man shouting, speaking of the water of the Holy Ghost. He says, but you'll go home in the same way because that's religion. But if you come to me, he says, I'll be the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and you'll take me with you. You'll take me with you. That's what he's saying. So now you can see the difference here between Jesus uh, of Galilee and John of Judea. We haven't even looked at John yet. But anyway, let's just look at this. Uh, It says in verse 40, Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? He's a Galilean. Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. So here now they're saying, hold on. Christ isn't to come out of Galilee. He's to come out of Bethlehem. But see, that's already happened. They missed 30 years or so of it. They've missed it. But now if they had a read, he'd be called a Nazarene. They'd have seen that he would have come out of Galilee. And so whenever we look on down, let's go to Luke 23. Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. Let's just go to first. Oh, we'll go from first one. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. 
And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation, forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. And Lord says, Is that what you say? Are you saying that? Is that what you're saying? Now, I see the word Jew. The word Jew is a saying, it's a derivative word, if you want a nickname, if I can put that, maybe not the best way of putting it, from the name Judah. Judah was one of the patriarchs of 12, 12 sons of Jacob, and the name Jew comes from there. And that's where you get Jew. So there's many of them, actually, of Israel, who never were under the name Jew. And you have the Judah, Jew, but then at this time, Someone could be called a Jew because they were a proselyte. A proselyte was someone who was, um, if you want one of the Gentiles for another word, a Gentile who had been converted. For example, Herod, whom we talked about, Archelaus, um, his son, and, and that was Herod the, Herod the Great, yeah, and Archelaus, his son. They, they, they actually became, they were classed as Jews, but they weren't Judahites nor any, from any tribe of Israel. They were proselytes. From Edom. You know what Edom is? When you read of Edom, E-D-O-M, or if you read in the scripture of, of Seir, S-E-I-R, like Mount Seir, or E-S-U-A, did I get that right? Uh, Esau. Esau, who sold his birthright, his descendants, who are always trying to steal it away from Israel, back, get the birthright back, where Esau, we have Edom, and we have Seir, S-E-I-R, and that's where you get, they're all the, sort, the same people the whole way down through time. So here we have Herod in Judea trying to kill Christ, the king from Judah, as a baby. He isn't even an Israelite or a Judahite. He is, this is Herod, he is an Edomite trying to steal that birthright back. Can you see the spirit behind that? That's still going on. Now, whenever you look at this then, whenever it says, are you king of the Jews? And he said, are you saying it? You, can be a, you could be classed as a, a, Jew, a, Judaite, or pardon me, a Jew from religion, i.e. a proselyte, or a true Judaite who is a Jewish by, if you want, their religion. But you can also be called one by your geographical location. Well, what do I mean? If you lived in Judea, you were classed as a Jew because you lived in that area of the Jews' land, or Judea's land. And so here he's saying, well, what are you saying? Because this is important when we get to where they write it upon the board, upon where Pilate writes it on the cross. So Pilate says to him, Art thou king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate to the chief priest and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry. Notice J-E-W-R-Y. That is throughout all the area where the Jews were really strong, the, the Judean stronghold. He says he's teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from where does he begin from? What does your Bible say? Galilee. He's a Galilean, you see. Beginning from Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. Pilate heard, oh, sorry, Pilate heard of Ga- 
Galilee to this place that when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the mom were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to, notice, Herod's jurisdiction, he sent them to Herod, who himself was at Jerusalem at this time. So Herod, now this Edomite has come down. This is, his, he's come, this is the son of Herod the Great. He's come down because he's a Jew, proselyte Jew. He's, a, he, he's changed his religion. He's an Edomite, but he's come down. And now he's going, great, I'm going to see Jesus do something wonderful here. Pilate hears it and says, oh, he isn't even from Judea. He's not among, from among the Jews here. Oh, so he's from Galilee. He's a Galilean. Send him to Herod. See why he done it? This makes more sense, doesn't it? It makes more sense. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself was at Jerusalem at that time. And then we'll, we'll not need to go through all that because just time's already gone. Okay, so... In Luke chapter 23, again, let your eye run down to verse 49. Verse 49. Here is the cross. He's crucified. Tell you what, let's go 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now, when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and turned. Notice, and all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee. His followers are from Galilee. You're reading that in your Bible, aren't you? Opening your eyes a bit more, isn't it? He stood afar off beholding these things. And Joseph, and behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor. He was a good man and a just. That's your eye run down to 55, verse 55, just for time's sake. And he took down and wrapped it in a linen. That's the body of Jesus. And laid it in a saddle curtain. Sorry, I'm 53. Excuse me, that's my foggy head. Verse 55. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulchre and how his body was laid. So it's following from the women now. Not only the disciples were from Galilee. So I'm just throwing a new slant on this to give you a wee bit of a, wee bit of a different angle that you still think about these things. Most of them were from, were more than likely, especially the disciples. Judah, Judas Iscariot may have been um, f- from Judea or Jerusalem because of his name. Maybe that's where you get. Matthew was called Levi, sitting at the receipt of custom, if you remember. He may have been a Levite, so he wouldn't have been from the tribe of Benjamin. But all the other tribes were gone years ago. And here on the north you have Benjamin. Mostly. And you know, there is, a, a, there is synagogues there and there's Jewish religion around there and so on, but mostly people from Benjamin. Now, we haven't time to read it, but years and years when Israel had separated into two kingdoms, the Lord had said, I'll read one verse. It's too important. I'll read one. It's, it's a key verse. Um, I'll have to try and remember where it is now. First Kings chapter... 
I'll tell you in a second, 11. Yes, chapter 11. If you read 1 Kings chapter 11 when you go home, you'll see the, 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 the prophetic rendering of the 12 tribes of Israel. And Solomon has a, a, a son called Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, he ends up that he becomes king after Solomon's death. He treats the people harshly. He calls the young men around. They say, whip them with scorpions and all. You know, treat them harder. Instead of listening to the more mature men from his father's day. And what happens is they all go gung-ho. Jeroboam, who was Solomon's servant, if you want, um, he, he actually comes and he takes ten tribes of the north. And that's where you get the two kingdoms from. You'll read that if you go First Kings 11. But look, look, look at this. So First Kings 11, what happens is Ahijah the prophet comes, meets Jeroboam, pulls off his new coat from off him. He's walking with a new coat on him one day. And this, this old prophet comes and he takes off Solomon, or Jeroboam's coat and he rips it into 12 pieces. Imagine you walking out and somebody coming to prophesy. You think it's bad, I'm saying a wee word over you. Imagine them coming and rip, taking your coat and ripping it into bits. And he ripped it into 12 pieces. Read it in the chapter. And he gives him 10 pieces of this coat left. Now, there you are. There's your 10 pieces of your coat. And he says, that's for 10 tribes for you. And two are going to be left. One for the tribe of, of David's tribe, which was Judah. And a light to bear before David's tribe. And there's somebody to stand by him. Let's just, let's just, sure, five minutes won't hurt us, sure won't. Let's, let's just skip through this to show you. Just to show you. Okay, so 1 Kings 11. We'll read more than one verse since I said that. Verse 29. 1 Kings 11, 29 says, And it came to pass that at the time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they two were alone in the field, and Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give thee ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Okay? So you, you see where, what, what's happening here. And what is happening here now, he's saying, David's, David's been my servant. He's, my, he's, he's a man after my own heart. And for his sake, there's going to be a tribe in Jerusalem. But also then, I'm going to give him another tribe to be with him. Let's run down in chapter 11, um, the verse 36. And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David my servant may have a light. Notice, a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. So he says, I'm going to give him not only his own tribe, but another tribe to be a light before him. Now we have time, I'll, look, I'll, I'll teach us more into this another time. But the tribe of Benjamin is given to be alongside the tribe of Judah. They become the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom of the rest of the ten tribes. They're carried away. They're scattered. They come westward. And that's all over a thousand years, thousand years or whatever. But the two tribes in the south were Judah and Benjamin. That's who's carried into Babylon we talked about. That's who comes back out again. That's who builds the wall and the temple. And that's where Jesus comes from. So the Lord knew what he was. Obviously God knows what he's doing. David has to have a son to come out of here. So, whenever we look at this, Benjamin was with the tribe of Judah in the south. Jerusalem was the capital. The temple is there. 
And that's the temple. There's a false worship system put up in Samaria in the north with the ten tribes, which was um, a false religion. It was, uh, these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, uh, um, cries Jeroboam when he puts a golden calf in one in Dan and one in Bethel. So they have false religion. And he done that to stop them going down into Judah and into Jerusalem to worship Yahweh or Jehovah. So this was to keep them in false religion. That's why God took them away. Now, in the south, David, well, one other, David's tribe, Judah, well, one other tribe, we're told then is Benjamin in the scriptures. Benjamin means son of my right hand or son of my strength. But the, 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 the tribe of Benjamin becomes known as the light-bearing tribe. Notice he said in, 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 in 1 Kings 11, I will give David, my servant, a tribe, a light to be before him. Okay. Now let's think about this in the context we've talked about. Benjamin now, in the New Testament, many have moved up into Galilee. Where's Jesus' ministry begin? Where does Jesus do most of his miracles? In Galilee. Where do he call his disciples from? Galilee. Why? Because mostly Benjamin's there. Why? Who took the gospel then around the world? The light bearing tribe the Benjamites does that make sense to you? can you see that? it was a light bearing tribe even the apostle Paul says in let me just get it for you in Philippians chapter 3 Paul says on verse 5, he was circumcised of the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul was even a Benjamite. And he sent forth of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning seal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless. Paul is telling us he was not only just of the Jews' religion, Going away back, he said, I'm, I'm a Hebrew, I'm an Israelite, I'm to my tribe, I'm a Benjamite, to my religion, I'm a Jew. Christ saves him and sends Paul forth, holding forth the word of life, like a torch, the light bearing tribe. So now you can see now God's plan. You're not going to Judea, you're going to Galilee. The Jews and Jury sought to kill him. When the time is right, it had to come to pass. He comes down into Jerusalem. He comes down into Jerusalem, and they crucify him. Why? That that vase would be broken, and the light would go forth in the power of the Holy Ghost. Does that make sense to you? Now you see that. Okay, time has flown. It's way past. I was going to say my bedtime, but <laughs> so last scripture and John nineteen again. Remember when we started? Said all that to say all this, just this. John 19. And remember whenever the Lord was in being tried with Pilate and he was in uh, the high priest's house. Remember the way the guard came and says, you were with him for your, your speech betrayeth you. To Peter, do you remember that? Do you know why? Because Peter had an accent. <laughs> they had accents then too, dialects. Peter's accent, he was, he was, a, he was like a ball of money, hey, you know. I'm not saying he talked like that. He, was, he had an accent, you know. He had an accent. And so his accent gave him away. 
Your speech bereath you or betrays you. You're a Galilean. I don't know him. And so you can see now why this was so important. So when we look at John 19 and verse 19, and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth. Notice, that's the Galilee. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was now under the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Why did they crack up? Why did they go mad? Why did they say, Don't write that? Because they're saying, yeah, Hold on. He's not from Judea. He's not from our region. He's from the Emmons away up there in Galilee. He's not our king. They cried at his trial, We have no king but. Caesar. So now you can see why they're crying this out. It's not our king. He's from, he's from up north. Don't be writing that he's from down here. He's from up north. But when we read in the Old Testament, he's called the king of Israel. So... Jesus of Galilee, John of Judea. We well, haven't touched John. We'll maybe do another bit next week in John. Um, so the Lord bless his word to us.